On this episode of the Stance Podcast, we are joined by incredibly handsome artist, Todd Francis. Erica, can you give us a little bit of a backstory? So Todd Francis is handsome, inside and out, also talented. He has been with Antihero Skateboards for forever. He even did the Antihero Skateboards Eagle graphic, which everyone knows and loves. He does a monthly illustration in Penthouse, and he has done a ton of work for us here at Stance. His art has adorned many a sock. And on this day, he came to Stance to tell us the story about the Hell's Angels coming after him when he was living in San Francisco. So from our studios here in San Clemente, California, this is the craziest day of Todd Francis's life. Welcome to the Stance Podcast. I am Erica Yeri, alongside with Hava Fernandez. Hello, Erica. How's it going, dude? It's going fantastic. Okay, so again, we are going to revisit the craziest day of people's lives. That's the whole theme of this season of the Stance Podcast. And joining us all the way from Los Angeles, California, <laughs> is a Stance punk poet, graphic artist. Fine artist. Fine sculptor. artist. Sculptor. <laughs> sculptor. Okay. We have Todd Francis joining us today. Todd, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for having me. Have you ever done a podcast before? No, I haven't. First time. You had First a mic in your, in your face Go of this easy. size ever before? Not, this is a nice mic. I've never had a, a mic this nice in my face. Before. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, only the best here. It doesn't, so. There's no breath smell to it. No, it's we, not, make, we, we clean them every time. Yeah, you guys are breaking me in really nicely. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming. And thanks for doing so many awesome socks and stuff for us all the time. They all look really rad. And you have some socks. Um, at the point where this podcast will be coming out, your socks will have just been out for a little bit. And they've been awesome. What's your favorite project you've worked on with us? I think the ones that are just coming out now are my favorite ones, only because... Which ones are those? The pigeon socks, the new pigeon toes that are just coming out, um, only because they're the funniest ones I've done yeah. so far, and they're ridiculous. I mean, I've had a fun with everything I've done here, though. You guys give me a lot of wiggle room. But the, and the NBA stuff was fun because it was just so Good. different, you know? And that's, that's just sort of an ongoing fun thing of just... Uh, you know, reinterpreting NBA stars and, and... Well, I think different for you, what you normally do, but also really different for NBA product as well, which is cool. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal is just to give people something they haven't seen before and make it not seem like an easy, an easy choice, you know, using licensed photos every time. People love the players, but why not give them something they didn't expect that maybe they'll hopefully like? Yeah. Is there a certain player that was your favorite to draw? Well, I mean, you know, I'm from L.A., so, of course, I wanted to do Shaq and Kobe, you know, and so an, an excuse to do a Shaq sock was something I was pretty fired up about because I always argue that Shaq is just about the best player in the history of the NBA because no one ever has been able to guard him. I've always loved Shaquille O'Neal. Um, and then Scottie Pippen was always like my favorite player in terms of like a non-Laker. So I got to do him as well. And I think he's coming out pretty soon. I think those ones I just talked about are, are coming out shortly. That's awesome. And are you yourself pigeon-toed? <laughs> I, am an, I, I walk normally. I'm not pigeon-toed. Sometimes I'll do an affectation, you know, to make people feel better. Yeah. But yeah. Um, just if I'm... About if, their own ailment. Yeah, yeah. people with a yeah. limp, I'll, I'll, I'll turn my toes in inward just to make them feel at home. You're selfless. Yeah, I'm a giver. selfless. I'm a giver. I hear that a lot. All right. So you've had some time to think about it. A little bit. We yeah. could just jump right into it if you'd like. Yeah. So the craziest day of your life, go. No, just kidding. <laughs> Okay, well, the first story that always comes to mind with, with, that, with that question is, and the one that I think maybe would intrigue the most listeners, is going back to the late 
the late 90s. I lived in San Francisco, and I've had a long time association with Antihero and with uh, Deluxe. And, uh, you know, big, big, amazing skateboard company that's uh, just been around forever. And back then in the 90s, things were a lot different in skateboarding. It was a lot smaller, and things were a lot more reckless. And people didn't worry about lawsuits or things like that as much. And so that was sort of the, the, the setting for it. And, and at Deluxe, you know, we had an art department. There was just three of us in there. Okay, wait. So for the people that don't know what Deluxe is, can you sure. break down what, what Deluxe was at this time too? So Deluxe was and still is a skateboarding distribution company. It's based in San Francisco. And it's a, I mean, I, you know, I've worked with them forever. So I'm, I'm, I'm drinking my own Kool-Aid or urine or whatever. But um, uh, I... You know they're they're highly regarded, and they they are the company that distributes that creates and distributes real skateboards and Antihero and Spitfire and Thunder and Stereo at the time and all these sort of beloved brands in skateboarding. And uh, I worked there all through the '90s. And Crooked. And Crooked, right? And Lucky Bearings. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, speaking of beloved. And so anyway, I was working in the art department there and I was the art director and the, the guy who, who ran the company, who's no longer alive, uh, Jeff Clint, came in one day and the way it would work is he'd come in in the morning and say, hey, we need to, I need a, an eight and a half inch board or eight and three quarter inch board, which is back then at, at sort of the, the zenith of the flip trick. Everything was under eight inches, you know, so these are all small boards. They wanted a big sort of cruiser board. What year was this? This is like 1997 or 98. Okay. And, um, and so uh, he said, I want you to do, you know, eight and three quarter board. Here's the shape. And here's the graphic I want you to rip off. <laughs> and he hands me this like sort of, I think it was like a San Fran- history of San Francisco book. And it had this whole chapter on the Hells Angels. And there was this old Hells Angels logo in there uh, that was like from their start. That was this like, an, I think it was like an Indian head with these wings behind it. And he was the boss, you know. So, uh, all right. I, you know, it doesn't seem... Ripping things off is not really something I'm proud to do, but, you know, he's the boss. I'm going to follow his direction. If he's not worried about getting in trouble, So it was I'm like not. a direct thing out of the book. Direct out of the book. Yeah. Like, come as close to this as possible without writing Hell's Angels underneath. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and we need it today. Yeah. So, um... And Whose board graphic was it? It was a, it was it was a, team, a board. team board. You know, okay. it was a, I guess people call them logo boards now, but yeah, yeah it's just a team board. It's just going to say real skateboards and have this this icon on it and have this big yellow board. And I think he wanted like flames licking up around it, which is a really lame idea. Um, and so, uh, so it makes you go faster. Go. Yeah. 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 Flames make you go faster. That's exactly. The cars with the flames. Well, no, you know faster. what it was is at the time, you know, and Spitfire is still like a huge wheel company and, and Spitfire then was wildly successful and, and everything else at Deluxe sort of ebbed and flowed and stuff and was had its up and downs, but Spitfire was what kept the lights on. And so it's like, hey, if you can get flames on there, man, that thing's going to move. Yeah. So he said, hey, let's get some flames on this, on this sucker. Yeah. And, uh, and let's, let's move some units. <laughs> and, um, and by units, it's, it's like 100 decks. You know, you do it. It's a print <laughs> run of like 100 boards, which yeah. is now is nothing. Like yeah. that's what, that's, no one does a run of 100 decks for any graphic anymore. Back then, that was sort of the norm. So the stakes were just so small, you know, it was just a different, a different time. Just churning them out though. Yeah. Yeah. I know I sound like a grandpa, like talking about, you know, my, my experience on Guadalcanal. Um, so I did this graphic and, you know, adhered to the directive I was given, you know, made it look pretty close to this, this Hells Angels logo that he was convinced they didn't use anymore. It was no big deal. Took it over to the printer. And back then you cut things by hand, you draw it by hand, you shoot it to film by hand. There's no computer involved. So you do all the steps by hand. It was terrible. So 
uh, and then at the end of the day, I run it over to the print shop, and then you know they print it overnight. Next morning, a truck backs in, and it's got a whatever ten boxes of boards, and they're ready to sell that day. And they tell the sales department, they're on the phone calling. Like it was very, is a very literal way of working back then compared to now, with just pre books, and you'd show yeah. someone a graphic six months before it comes out. You know the way things are now, and in in the sock industry as well as in escape everything or organizationally yeah yeah it's just a, it was just fast and loose so the board comes in the next day and it's like you know it looked like it looked like crap you know <laughs> it, it was it just it didn't look good it wasn't Did you put the board. flames on it oh Did there's flames, flames? Okay. yeah yeah it was it was yellow and had flames and looked a lot like that hell's angels logo just like i was supposed to and then it you know gets shipped out to shops and you forget about it, you know especially when you do a graphic and you're churning out sometimes a graphic a day and so when you do one that sucks you just you just want to forget about <laughs> you're it. Like, so you're like get rid of on it. On to the next thing yeah. like I'm not I don't want to take one home. I don't want this you know it's, this isn't going in my portfolio. This thing sucks. And so uh uh and I don't want anyone to ask me about it. And so then it goes out to shops and then about a week later and I know the question is the worst day in your life. And it's hard to narrow this down to... No, it's uh, the craziest day. This craziest. Could be, it could be the okay. worst day, too. It was, this is, the, you know, I went you with worst. You took it as the worst day. Yeah, that's, that's how I, I tend to think about things in terms of <laughs> worsts. Um, and so, uh, so we find out about a week later that, um, that some bikers went into the deluxe store, which is in San Francisco. What are the odds? Yeah, and I know. Who would have thought? They like things with flames, too. When, and, you know, and I remember, Jeff... The, the, the boss, who's no longer with us, um, saying, like, they don't care. They're not going to be aware of it. It's 100, we're going to fly through these decks, like, big deal. You know, he's kind of, I don't want to say arrogant, but, you know, cavalier. He wasn't worried. Yeah, he just he's, didn't think much in it. Yeah, and, and so many of the graphics that were done back then were just rip-offs from mm. stuff. You know, you just, someone rip off, like, a jazz cover album or, like, a, a Max Beckman painting. Like, it was just... I mean, you're doing a hundred of them. Yeah, the, no one cares. Like, the thing's going to be gone before it even calls you out. It wasn't such a thing as cease and desist. There wasn't even the internet. Well, you know... <laughs> it wasn't on were, the radar. And there were cease and desists. But the cease and desists were like what World Industries did on purpose. Oh, yeah, yeah. They do stuff where they make... They just do a graphic of Foghorn Leghorn, you know, of these Fully. cherished icons, and they make them last for a while, so they get into hot water, so it would turn this controversy mm. and people would be talking. It, it, it was like, you know, it was an extension of the brand. But at, at Deluxe, it's more like, we need to get some boards out of here quick. It, there was nothing, there was no intent to create controversy or anything other than just the subject matter. They did a lot of stuff about like anti-Ku Klux Klan and, 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 yeah. and stuff that was deliberately provocative, but it wasn't meant to provoke lawsuits yeah. or, or get you in actual trouble. It was meant to there'd be a political statement, you know? Okay, so some Hells Angels come into uh, the deluxe shop. So Hells Angels roll into the deluxe shop and, and they, they ask for the board and then they ask for all of the boards. They say, hey, you need to give us all of these boards you've got in stock. And, and the guy is working at the counter. Like, give them to us. Yeah. We're not paying for them. Hand them to us now and we're going to take them with us. Oh, wow. And, and so the guys at the shop supposedly, you know... Hand them over. You know. Fearing, fearing for them, yeah, their safety. exactly. Concerned about getting knifed, um, or or yeah, just yeah, it's beaten. just not worth it. Yeah, handed them the decks, and there was like you know four of them, because that was just one of the that was just one of the places that they had. Yeah, the deluxe store always carried the deluxe product, you know, and always had real on the wall. And then we, I guess, they get a call at deluxe, and this is where it's all it turns into hearsay because in the art department we were sort of insulated from the full depth of the stories. So I had to kind of squeeze it out of people. But the Hells Angels take the board back to, you know, HQ somewhere, show it to everybody. And of course, 
they're furious that their cherished historical logo has been ripped off and reproduced for a skateboard company that they have no relationship with. And they're like, oh, these flames suck. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't look good. Didn't even do a good job. Yeah, and what's with the flames? Who's the jerk? Yeah, yeah, who's the dick who stuck the flames on there? <laughs> and uh, and so they, uh, they call into Deluxe and say, hey, into, into the offices and say, you know, you guys need to give us all of these decks. Yeah. You need to pull them immediately, get them shipped back to you from all the shops and give them to us. And then maybe we won't come down there and beat all of your asses. And so I find out from the receptionist that the Hells Angels <laughs> called into the bosses and that's when the sweat begins. And yeah. that's when the, the worst day of life begins because uh -oh. suddenly you're aware that there's a large, famous organization. Who nice are well, way to put it. Yeah, who are well known for... for killing and injuring people who have you in their sights yeah and it's not like they're busy with a lot of other stuff you know with their with their giving back to the community <laughs> things like th this could become the top of their of their checklist you know and um and so and so how old are you at this time i'm like 26 and so you've probably not had many sort of life-threatening situations at this point I've, from bike gangs. Uh, this is my first experience knowing that a bike gang wanted to kill me and everyone else that worked there. <laughs> yeah. um, that I'll say. You know, uh, uh, there, I'd had other times in my life to run for my life and was actually pretty good at it, but, but not from an organization. Yeah. A legendary organization. You know, there's a reason that uh, you know, the, the word Altamont is something we all know and it's not for some lame clothing company. <laughs> um, so... Uh, <laughs> So anyway, so Deluxe at the time was in this old warehouse in Hunter's Point, you know, on the outskirts of San Francisco. It's a pretty run-down neighborhood, and it would be an easy building to ambush. And we're up on the second floor of this building, and there's only one way in and one way out of the building. And so I start charting my, my entrance and, and exit, and every day I get to work, and I'm looking around to make sure there's no one lurking in the shadows, and we all go in and, and clock in. And we're up on the second story, and these, it has these old sliding windows. And so what I do every day is I get there and I look out the window from the second story and look for where there would be a car under the window on the ground floor. Land on the car. So I can jump out. out of the window when, no. when, when the, the crap hit the fan. And I, I, I don't want to – I'm, I'm catching myself from swearing. You, you can, uh, yeah, you can okay. swear. So when the shit hit, when the shit hit, when the shit hits the fan, I want to have an exit play in, in place. So I've got a bunch of exacto knives near me that I can throw – and then I'm going to jump out Did the window. Did you fashion them into a ninja star or I just something? Had a, or I just what? had several of them lined up next to me where I could just sort of throw them in rapid fire and slow someone down and then jump out slow the window. Slow a gun down me. Well, yeah, or slow a 350-pound man in leather. You know, like they probably wouldn't even break the leather. <laughs> no, we would do absolutely nothing. It didn't make sense, you know. But, uh, but what did make sense was jumping out of the window, landing on the team van, mm -hmm. jumping off the van, and running, running into Hunter's Point. And there's train tracks and... And like homeless yeah. enclaves, there's there's mm -hmm. there's an escape route that makes a lot of sense, and I can't outfight anyone in the Hell's Angels, even their receptionist, but I can outrun all of them. Yeah. I know I can outrun yeah. them all, especially when I'm, yeah, I'm you're 26. 26. I'm in the, you got wheels. My, yeah, I got major wheels. I ran track when I was a kid. Like I am confident of one thing, and that's outrunning anybody who's after me, especially when I'm 26. Yeah. So, and for days and days, that was not at the back of my mind, but like. The front. Half of my job was, oh, that car moved, so I got to go out of this window instead because I can't jump 
two stories on a concrete. I got to land on a car to get out. Yeah. I mean, you could maybe hang and release. But that take too long. Yeah, yeah you, you got to go. It's go time. It's, when, it, when it's go time, it's go time. It's a quick escape route to where I can land and then land and then go. So anyway, after about three weeks of that abject terror and it never being realized, but every time you'd hear someone coming up the stairs, I'd think like, oh, shit, here they come, you know? And um, uh, that never happened. But at the, like leading up to this point, are you checking in with your receptionist or the boss? Hey, did anyone call for me? Updates. Hell's well, Angels. Fortunately, it's not like it's not like my name is out there. It's not like they they are leaving a bunch of messages for me. But there's only so many people that work there. Exactly, it's a small crew. The art department's responsible, but the bosses there are also responsible. You know, so there there the hit list is about ten of us. You know, and um, the fortunate thing is that Max Schaff who now is, is a very well-known name in motorcycle building and, and everything, as well as being you know, an amazing skater. He, you know, he was on the team. He was riding pro for real at the time. And he had connections with the Hells Angels. And so he intervened somewhat. And I guess it was like the chapter in Santa Cruz was what I heard. They were the ones who were particularly heated. And so he intervened on our behalf, said, hey, I'll take care of it. I'll get in the middle of this. And I'll make sure these guys are, are doing what they're supposed to do to avert catastrophe and so he talked to, to jeff clint and jeff supposedly he said hey we're gonna this is and this is where it gets really dodgy jeff said hey no problem i'll gather up all the boards and he pulled together like 60 boards and sent them to them you know and said okay i dealt with it so there's another few outstanding so out there there's a few circulating right the problem was i believe what happened is he called for a reprint he said hey we're gonna print like 50 more and we're gonna change the color and we're going to like no. add really? more flames or no. something like that. Yeah. Really pushing his luck at this point. Really pushing no. his luck. And um, I didn't know about everything. I knew that the, the rest of us didn't realize what was going on. And he just went over to the print shop and just said, hey, you know, print another, do another run or something. Well, Because they had to take them out of the stores they had to, take them out to, of store. to replace it or something? He, just, he knew he needed an eight and a half inch board out there. And didn't Ready. really care that much about, about, you know, just wasn't that afraid, you know? It just felt like, ah, it'll blow over. I sent them a bunch of decks. They're placated. They're fine. They don't care. No one gives a shit. I'm going to make a few more, sell them real quick, in and out. You know, the, uh, the same mentality as the, the first time, basically. Thing. Did not learn. And so wow. these boards come in, and I see them, and we're all like, what the hell? What the hell? Like... Okay, so it's now, the, bed, the board is like red or blue. I don't even remember what the new color was, and it's got like bigger flames or something but it's it's the same problem you've done you know and and our like i'm feeling like hey our lives are at stake here what is up and and of course you know the hell's angels are paying attention to all this they found out oh no and Great. they and 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 the next week there was a video uh premiere planned the i think it was a real either a deluxe video or a real video it was getting released and they were going to screen it at bottom of the hill <coughs> which is a great you know, great place for shows, great bar in San Francisco. The match. But you guys are having an event and that's great like ambush bullseye. site. Yeah. Yeah. A perfect ambush site. Yeah. Yeah. A big bar where they know everybody's going to be. And it's like, a, you know, media is going to be there. It's going to be covered. Like, it's Thrash will be there. A great place to kick a ton of ass and like send a terrific message that, like, you don't screw with our shit. I'm not aware. No one is aware of this plan that they've got. The night of the screening the santa cruz chapter of the hell's angels is planning to ride out in formation 
to the bottom of the hill, which happens to be Max Schaff's mom's bar, and she still owns it. It's, it's oh, a great cool. place. It's the know. best place in San Francisco to see a show back then. And um, there was this horrible, uh, not, I want to say horrible, there was this amazing rainstorm, this tremendous rainstorm that night that washed out that highway, the Santa Cruz Highway. And so they couldn't ride out. None of us knew any of this until a couple days later. And that story got passed along, along with the de angry demand that you need to pull all of these decks, every single one. You need to show us the numbers, send us the paperwork. You're going to hand us every single one of these decks. I don't care if it's been skated. You're going to get them back from the kids that are bought them, and you're going to send us every single one, and we're going to display them, and we're going to tell that story. But if you guys ever do anything like this ever again, like heads will roll, you know? And Max was involved in that conversation. And he, he did all the, a lot of the diplomacy to make it smooth over, thankfully. And Max, if you're listening to this, thank you so much because I still have all my teeth and I can walk normally and run normally. <laughs> and um, Breathe. Breathe, yeah. You know, I've, I've sired children. <laughs> but uh, that, yeah, I would say that day and the subsequent low-level fear that followed me around for months after that of knowing that this faceless organization wanted your ass kicked was the worst day of my life. Worst month or whatever. Yeah, we're stretched. So, so with all the coincidence of a couple of Hells Angels just randomly coming into the deluxe store, what do you think the odds are randomly listening to this podcast? There's a 45, 50-year-old biker that's like, that son of a bitch strikes again. Well, here's the thing. There's nothing about this that I'm proud of. There's nothing about this that I, I'm nothing, I'm filled with remorse and embarrassment that I would even agree to copy any graphics. And back then that was what everybody did, but... Just because your boss tells you to copy something doesn't mean you should. And take special care to not copy something that belongs to people who are in the business of kicking ass. Touche. Thanks for asking that question yeah. so I could, could go full circle. <laughs> Give and, you your, your and, opportunity and, 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 to and have the ass. utmost respect yeah. for the Hells Angels. Exactly. They seem like a great organization. So since the 90s, having worked with Max Schaff, like you said, for a long time and couple other projects that probably crossed the lines into the world of motorcycles. Have you ever had the opportunity to work directly with the Hells Angels or motorcycle groups that could connect you with the Hells Angels in any capacity? I've had no crossover with anything involving motorcycles uh, ever since. I would say that that's by intent, but it's not. It's just, I just always worked in skateboarding and those worlds have not collided really. You know, Max Schaff is the the official sort of go between between those. I mean, you know, Jason, Jesse, there's a, a lot, obviously a lot of people that care about that world as well in skateboarding, but it didn't uh, enter my world. Yeah, because I heard it's because AH, anti hero, 1 8. Right. And then Hell's Angels is 8 1. Right. So I heard that there was something about that too, where it was like, like 8 1 is the Hell's Angels that's, kind of. That's sort of the running, it's, it's sort of a joke thing that they came up with at some point where it's, it's calling it the 1-8 because, you know, A is the first letter of the alphabet yeah. and H is the eighth. And, I, you know, I don't know, I really use that a whole lot because it just sounds a little claimy to me. I don't know. I don't feel like I can, like, pound my chest and start like, talking about the 1-8, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it's yeah. very cool. There's a, for some, I, I'm not cool enough to do that. <laughs> Even though you do all the board graphics. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just, I just draw <laughs> stuff, you know. So in retrospect, having feared for your life yeah. this time, you know, 26-year-old scared shitless, for lack of a better yeah. word. What would you say is the big takeaway for you? What have you learned about that process that, if any, if has changed you in any way? What has changed, I suppose? 
Well, I'd say I take a little more pride in not ripping stuff off. <laughs> and, and granted, you know, at the time, it's a dream job and you're just following directions and you're working in skateboarding and you're doing art every day and it's this, you know, you're in this rare air. You're doing stuff that most people would wish they were doing, you know, but you can't lose sight of your own moral code and you can't assume that things are going to slip under the radar. And look, it's only worse now because you've got Instagram and, and Twitter. I, I you've got ways, ways to reach people more immediately than you did back then. Back then it was, I'm sure someone went into the deluxe store, saw the board on the wall and called their friends who were Hells Angels writers and said, hey, go in and check this out. I think it's a bunch of horseshit. Go check it out. That's how, it, it, that's how things got viral then. You know, now it's now it's just spreads with a push of a button. People look up you. Hell's Angels knockoff hashtag. Right, right. So, you know, there's never been a worse time to rip anybody off than now. And you get called out on it sooner. So why bother? You know, just, just take some authorship in your stuff and be original, you know. Um, I, maybe that's the takeaway. In addition to uh, watch who you piss off and don't do stupid things to people who are really good at kicking your ass. Do you think you still have the, the wheels to outrun a 350-pound Hells yes. Angel? I, I will, out, I will outrun an NFL lineman who weighs 350 pounds. I still got the wheels. Um, that's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got the, th the little uh, razor blades I, yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, yeah, the knives are not, the, the knives are not in, the, in the quiver. But uh, yeah, I can still run like the Dickens. And so were there, were there other... So you said there's about 10 of you guys that were maybe vulnerable to the consequences of this whole situation. Are there still other people that you worked with at Deluxe that you brought up this story with now? It would be like, holy shit, yeah, I remember that. That was, well, that was yeah. a harsh time. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, Jim Thebo and Tommy Guerrero, they are the faces of real skateboards. They created it from scratch. They're beloved people in skateboarding. It's not something they're proud of. They wouldn't want to talk about it. If I brought it up with them, I can picture Tommy's, the look on Tommy's face. He would just like put his hand over his face and roll his eyes and like want to talk about something else. And Jim the same way, you know, I mean, and these are two of the funniest guys I know, you know, they've got great senses of humor, but there's nothing, that was not a funny thing. And it was not their idea. It kind of just happened behind their backs, really. If they had known what it would turn into, or even known that that was the suggestion, they wouldn't have gone for that. Things have changed at Deluxe so much too, because Jeff Clint ran the show there and he's, he's dead. And, and Jim and Tommy, run deluxe and run real um with so much more authorship now than they did even then so that kind of thing would never happen especially yeah. the reprint sounds oh, like a reprint. real iffy call oh, really man. the icing on the cake there. that was that, that was so stupid and just it was arrogant it was like this arrogant sort of weaselly move to slip something under the barbed wire and uh it's really one of those flames next to the what a chief skull yeah, it just didn't look good either. That's the other thing too. Why would you reprint something that looks that bad? Do you think bad? that those boards are out there somewhere? They other are. Than just... just there's a few. People will text them to me sometimes, or someone well, will e email me and like, "Hey, is this the Hell's Angels board?" And I'll yeah say, "Yeah, that's it," and I don't want it. You know, like yeah, yeah that's yeah. yeah. Where have they been found? Oh, just you know, someone who bought it and skated it or something. You know, I don't even know. I didn't. I didn't keep one, and and no, I don't think anyone that I worked with kept one. We all. You know, a couple of us grabbed it and like, oh, you know, just for the story. And then as soon as the shit really hit the fan, we couldn't hand it back fast enough because that was like evidence. That was like blood on your hands, you know, yeah. that was that would just be arrogance keeping that thing. Would it would it give you a, a little sense of pride if you walked into this fictitious 
Hell's Angels HQ, wherever that may be. And lining the halls of the HQ is just 50. No. 50. No. Skateboard no. decks with your logos on them. Cruise. It's embarrassing. Just proudly displaying like all their ass kick worthy merchandise right, that right, hangs around right. the building. And a photo of the guy responsible all lumped up. No, that's the thing. It, it's, it's, it's a horror story. And I'm not, there's nothing about it that I'm proud of. And I do not want to be associated with that or, you know, you guys are, you know, like this is this is a bad story. This is a low point. Right. This is not the best or most prideful day of my life. This is this is a low point. It's awful. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us. I think people are going to be really amused by it. God and frightened. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I want people to to take a lesson away from it, to not rip people off, and to be original. And and hopefully no one is. Uh, I hopefully I sound as remorseful as I am. Well, the 26-year-old, I mean, it's, it's, we've, we've had some time to recover, I think. Yeah, let's hope so. I don't know. I don't, it's still, it's, I get nervous talking about it still, because it's, it was a, it was a bad deal. Well, you were ready to abandon ship oh, at any moment. Yeah, I was, I was just going to take the streets and just, you know, I figured they'd know where I live, so I was just like, I'll just, just be homeless for a little bit and run. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Work hard, be original, don't knock off the Hell's Angels. Yeah. None of those graphics you did for us, or no? Yeah, right. <laughs> the pigeons? I said I learned my lesson. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for coming and talking to us. For sure. Do you have any other cool stuff to tell us about that we should let the viewers know about? Well, you viewers, can always... <laughs> yeah, always shameless get, plug time. Uh, you got yeah, anything in the works I mean, that's I've interesting? I've got these socks coming out with you guys, so look for those in stores. And then my ongoing work with uh, Antihero Skateboards, that's always in, in skate shops. Not, that's, that's something that hasn't... Uh, changed since back then i still do graphics with anti-hero and that's that's a lot of fun um i uh i do a, a monthly page in penthouse that i'm pretty proud of that is not pornographic in any way usually um and i do art for an, an app called emo jam and it's a an animated emoji app with music that it's a free download on your phone that i'm pretty proud of so you can, and that's called emo jam called emo jam yeah and it's like the first mixture of emojis with animation with hip-hop so it's all hip-hop music so it's these animated emojis that have hip-hop no emo music nothing nothing there's nothing emo there's about nothing it. emo all right okay and then just one sidebar question and then we'll wrap this up you've designed for anti-hero for a long time do you have a favorite body of work or pro graphic or series yeah. that you've done that is truly your favorite that means the most to you with the work I've done for Antihero, there's a lot that I'm proud of. I'm 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 just as proud of my luck in being associated with them for as long as I have. You know, it's it's I've been doing their art since since day one. And so it's the whole the fact that I've even had a chance to create a body of work with them, you know, and the fact that they've stayed so respectable and so so true to their nature for as long as they have, I think is maybe the thing I'm most proud of. Um, if you were to boil it down and ask, like, what's your favorite skateboard? Um, I did a deck uh, in the late 90s for Julian that's, a, that's a, a cop, a canine unit, you know, and it's a cop being attacked by his own German Shepherd and it's biting his face off. And, uh, and to me, that's always sort of been, if someone presses me on my favorite skateboard, that's always been it because it sort of, sums up so much of what I care about, which is like revenge and 
things being right and not taking, not getting pushed around and that sort of thing. And then also it's a Julian Stranger board and, and Julian, who is the, the real sort of heart and soul behind Antihero and someone I really care about and just and remain so impressed by even to this day. Um, the fact that it's a board for him really adds an extra level of, of meaning for it as well. Very cool. Love that one. And you can check that out in Todd's book. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, you can even, I mean, you, do you still have prints of your book? Yeah, available? the book is still available. It's called Look Away, and it's like a, 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 a history of the work that I've done, uh, mostly in skateboarding along with some studio work. But yeah, a lot of my old anti-hero stuff is in there. Where can I go to purchase that? Well, it's published by Wins Publishing, so you can go to their website. Uh, you could also buy it from Amazon, you know, same way you'd buy any other book. And then I've got a bunch of art shows later this year that are also going to be sort of a history of my work with Antihero. It's going to be a, a traveling. Awesome. Cool. Well, the, people will keep up with you. We'll put your Instagram handle on this and everything. All right. Also, you know I especially love when animals rape. Yeah, I didn't want to bring that up because, you know, <laughs> Stance is a family brand, but um, the book does contain... Three paintings I did a while We'll bleep ago. out the word I say, and they'll just have to go and find it. Right, right. Um, yeah, those, should I talk about those paintings? Those... They're so funny. Yeah, go uh, for well, it. Well, yeah, they're just three different paintings showing uh, sort of like nature's revenge, but it's sort of uh, rapey. It's like a park ranger getting raped by a, a grizzly bear and a, a butterfly collector getting raped by an alligator in the swamp and a, a, a seeing eye dog has raped uh, an elderly male that relied on it. It's not the. It's generally not the act of rape. It's sort of the post game show, post coital. Yeah, so you sort of have to piece the rape together. Um, usually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My mom loves those. Real visual story. <laughs> oh, sure. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty funny. It's I like, the ir- irony is great. Real heartfelt. Yeah, really. Just they bring in uh, bring in everyone the joy on the daily basis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a, people either think those are by me or or Norman Rockwell. <laughs> Yeah, really high eyebrows on everyone. Yeah, Just yeah, really... ro- ro- rosy cheeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks for coming, Todd. Hey, thanks Appreciate for having it. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah thank sure. you, Todd. <laughs> thanks, you guys. That's it for this episode of the Stance Podcast. If you're not subscribing, make sure you hit subscribe so you know when we post more episodes. And follow Todd Francis on Instagram at ToddFrancisArt and check out stance.com slash podcast for more episodes and info. Thanks for listening.